to be in the house of the Lord once again. Thankful for what God is doing, what he has been doing. So excited for what he's going to continue to do. Amen. I don't know about you, but I do enjoy serving God because I found that there's nothing greater. There's nothing more important than serving God. You can try everything you want to try in the world, but I guarantee you, you won't find anyone who will do you better than Jesus himself. You won't find joy in the bottles of alcohol. They may give you a little temporary moment of relief from the pressures of life, but you'll find that you'll come right back to the same stuff that you was trying to escape from. But with the joy of the Lord, it gives you strength. Amen. Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it helps us through. It doesn't help us evade, but it helps us through the things that we have to go through. And when we get to the other side, we're even better for it. I'm so glad that God knows how to minister to us and give us what we need. Not everything we ask for, not everything we want, but the things that we need. And the scripture says he'll supply all of our needs according to what? His riches and glory. And I'm so glad that God has got my best interest in mind. He's got your best interest in mind. Amen. That's the type of God that we serve. Amen. So our obviously our pastor and pastor's wife are out and they are going about ministering. And so we ask that you keep praying for them and uh, also the bells. And we know that it is offering time. So this time I've been reminded. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the plate around. Amen. Give as God moves upon your heart and we will pray for the offering in Jesus name. Thank you. Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would touch the offering and those that have to give, those that have not to give. We pray, O oh God, that you would just bless it, O oh God, and bless every soul as you see fit in Jesus name. Amen. So we are wrapping up our last lesson. On. The power of Christian witnessing. Thank you, sir. But please be assured that Christian witnessing cannot merely be confined to a couple of lessons. But Christian witnessing is about what we're doing on a daily basis. Amen. So just because we had a few lessons doesn't mean it just stops with that. We talked about a few key things in Christian witnessing. But please understand that there's so much to explore. It's really your life experience, what you do on a daily basis, that determines how much of a witness or what kind of impact you have as a Christian witness. Amen. And we've talked about a myriad of different things, about what it takes to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. Because I can tell you right now, society does not have the right definition of what a Christian is. It has veered off from what it started out as in the book of Acts. Amen. The definition of what a Christian is, is so far fetched from what it's supposed to be. It's become a thing of religiosity rather than a thing of spirituality. And so being a Christian, we talked about what it takes to do that. Right. Being a witness, being evidence, right. Being proof. Right. So as we as we go about in our efforts, you know, we're trying to be a Christian witness. There's something, though, that we yet have to have 
in order to be effective as Christian witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the very scripture that we began with, and we will continue along that vein to wrap this up. Because I want to talk about how to be that effective Christian witness just a little bit this morning. You got to have power. You got to have power. What does it say in verse 8? But you shall receive what? What does it say after that? After that, the whole, y'all reading what I'm reading? Okay, I want, I'm asking y'all, what, what does it say? But you shall receive You shall receive, but you shall receive, I'm reading in the scripture, right? Verse 8, but you shall receive, (laughs) all right, let's try it again, (laughs) but you shall receive, I'm, okay, I, I heard it, I heard a couple here, power, power, but you shall receive, Oh, okay, that's what I'm looking for now. Power is not a weak word. It doesn't represent anything weak. Right? Y'all looking at me, but I'm waiting to see. Is there power? Now think about it, because that's what the world is looking at. You go up to somebody, you try to witness about God, and we serve a powerful God, but if you just alluding to it, or you just kind of, you know, you tiptoeing around it, Right? No, we need power. Right? But you shall receive. Okay, all right. Now, just saying that word causes something to happen. Emotionally, when you say the word power, doesn't doesn't it do something to you? You say I have power. Look at all the all the stuff that they produce now. Movies and television shows. When they start talking about power, it represents something. They come with something, right? As the church, when we say we have power, that's not no little thing. It's not a weak thing. You shall receive power after what? The Holy Ghost. So where does the power come from? The Holy Ghost, right? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So sequentially, we look at this thing, and we determine that I need power, but in order for me to have power, I've got to receive the Holy Ghost, right? And in order for me to be a witness, I've got to have the Holy Ghost, which gives me power to be a Right? Now, we know what we shall receive. But just because you received it one moment doesn't mean you just let it go for the rest of the time that you're here on earth. If I could, I, I would not add to the scripture. But it would be nice to see a scripture that says, but you shall keep power. While the Holy Ghost is inside of you. And you shall remain witnesses. 
That'd be awesome. But that's the concept. That is the idea. It's a life-changing experience. So it's not a one-time event, but it's a life-changing experience. Do you not know that every moment you pursue after God, it's still a fresh experience? Think about marriage. You get into a relationship, and this is what I tell young people all the time. You, you know, we encourage them, you know, try to get to know the person, know who you marry, and so on and so forth. Here's the problem. People change. So while you think you know a person in the beginning, as you go through life, you start to find out, man, in your mind, you conclude, well, I guess I didn't know him as much as good as I thought I did. When in all actuality, you knew them for the moment. Most of the time, people that's getting married don't even know themselves. So how are you supposed to get to know them? But over time, you grow to learn each other. You know, you start having children, man. You start looking at life differently. Right? Those of y'all that have children, grandchildren, you, when you had grandchildren, it made you look at life differently, right? <laughs> you start looking at time differently, Right? It changes your perspective on life. But it's a lifetime experience. And as you start looking at life differently, maybe some values change for you. You know, folks that come to church, you know, they didn't believe in God. All of them didn't believe in God, but things changed for them. You know, it's amazing. You run into some young people and they, you know, well, I'll go ahead and marry this person so I can get them saved and in the church. You marry them in the state that they're in. There is no guarantee that they're going to change. Nine times out of ten, they tolerate you and your belief and your religion. They don't want to have anything to do with it. But as long as you're okay with compromising and settling, they're okay with it too. Until one day they're not. You got a lot of young people who got into a mess because they thought they knew what they were doing. That's why I'm one that I don't advocate dating. Because while the world says you date so you can get to know the person, God says you're supposed to seek him. Your focus is supposed to be on him. Guess who made every individual? This is what I tell my children. This is just me. This is just me. But I tell my children, when God created you, he knew who he created for you to be with. That was foreordained. See, we can believe that for material things in life. Well, what's for me is for me. Well, it's the same thing. If I'm supposed to get married, God knows who's my sp- who my spouse is going to be. And like my wife, you know, we talk to our kids. You start praying for your spouse now while you're growing up. You don't know what type of lifestyle they're going through, but start praying for them now. It changes your perspective because now you're not looking for a person, but you're looking for what God has for you. And the Bible says what God has joined together. You got too many matchmakers in our world today. As you got certain color eyes, you know, y'all can come together and y'all can produce beautiful babies. There ain't no guarantee in that. 
I'm not calling babies ugly. I'm just saying. <laughs> you got to know. The best way to know is to seek the face of God because God, remember what I told you about faith. God sees things from an eternal perspective. We look at things and we really can't help it because of our human state. We look at things from a temporal state here and now. And then we conclude based upon the here and now what life will be like later on. But if we seek God, we may find that God's perspective is different from what our perspective is. But a lifetime experience is over time. And this is why I tell my children, you know, teenagers, I say, listen, you better start having a relationship. Establish your relationship with God now. Don't try to wait till you're an adult. Do you not know that all the enemy wants to do is drive a wedge between you and God in the first place? And every little distracting thing he can find. That's why teenagers have such a hard time. It's going to our, to our younger children, but our teenagers especially. Because the enemy knows that this is a this is a critical time where they're about to transition out of the home. And the less grip you have on them and the less influence God has on them, that means they're more vulnerable to the enemy when they do leave the home. It's a lifetime experience. So for us, those of us who, you know, you remember back when you first received the Holy Ghost, right? Or you first been baptized or whatever experience you had. Think about that. You know, you first been baptized, you come up, you feel fresh, right? Feel clean, feel renewed, right? God intended you for you to feel that way. And the beautiful thing about it is, if something happens in your life, it's not a lost cause. You repent, you turn away from the stuff, and you move on. So you can continue to still have that experience with God that he intended for you to have. Having the Holy Ghost, it was never meant for you to just have power that one time where you get a little good, you know, a good feeling and then you go on about your business and now you live in life defeated. That was not God's intent. What was the purpose of having that experience? No, he wants you to have that power because he's going to use you to exercise that power to impact the lives of other people. How can we impact the lives of other people if we are not living in that power? See, there's a lot of people that can articulate very well. There's a lot of religious people. Theologians and all these other people who have done great studies, and I'm not knocking that, but at the end of the day, it's going to take a whole lot more than theology to change a soul. You can study all the doctrine you want to, and that's great if you know the doctrine. But again, if you want to win a soul, if you want a soul to be gained to Christ, you're going to have something more. You've got to have something more than just vocabulary. Even the disciples talk about, you know, we didn't come to you. Paul says, I didn't come to you in, you know, great words. I'm preaching Christ and him crucified. Right. The world needs to know, and I know a lot of them have heard it, but they need to know. They need to be reminded. Why are you talking about sacrifices that people have made? Understand that Jesus gave his life for the sins of the whole world. That means you, too, because he loves you. 
that seems like a simple message. You know, you've been living for God for years and you, we just kind of throw that, toss that aside and that's no longer good. We got to find something else. That's why we got a lot of folks that's compromising now trying to entertain the world. Can I ask you something? What does it take to entertain the world? Please understand that the world is only entertained by the things of the world. So if we are trying to entertain the world, that means we have to compromise as a church body to use the things of the world to gain the attention of the world. And then what are we drawing them to? Because we just compromised. Now they come to church because we can move and we can, you know, we can dance. We got the dance moves. We got the flashing lights. And, you know, we pretty much look like a club. So we got it. We got it down packed now. I'm just telling the truth. There are folks, we as Christians, how much will it take for us to compromise before we realize how far we've gone from where we're supposed to be? The intent is to witness to the world. Well, in the witnessing, remember, you're supposed to be evidence or proof. What are you proving? By compromising, you're proving that God is not enough. You're proving that he, his power is not enough. So the mixing and the mingling is necessary, as we see it, in order to gain the attention of the world. And guess who's really getting the glory? The enemy. Because guess what? Spirits recognize like spirits. I, you know, I hope this is not... <laughs> But this is all part of our witness because when we, when folks come in the house of God, we want them to experience what? The power of God. But if we've been fostering the things of the world, then how do we expect them to leave here having had an experience with the power of God? So their lives are not changed. They walk out in the same condition and the tragedy is they become convinced that that's what the church is supposed to be. So what did we just prove? Everything we read about in the scripture is not necessary. We have contradicted our own selves. And we have brought discredit to God by compromise. This is important. Because the power of God don't just come just haphazardly. God don't just operate in anything. He, he certainly doesn't delight in a mess or confusion. Man, I wish I could really get into this thing because there's so much when you really start thinking about how God looks at it. That's, that's really what it comes down to, brothers and sisters. We're witnessing to bring the attention to him. Did you know that God never gave us the authority to save anybody? We can't save. Look, I tell you what, I can't save nobody. I needed him to save me, so I can't save nobody. It's him that does the saving. And while we on that subject, 
No Christian has a hell or heaven to put anybody in. We got Christians that are condemning people to hell, and I'm trying to figure out, was you sitting on the throne? Because certainly you and God must have been side by side, and he must have told you, now this is your responsibility. You make sure you put them in hell or heaven, okay? Now listen, the Bible, the scriptures are there. So if we don't listen, we don't obey the scriptures, we know that obviously we're going to have our part in the lake of fire, okay? We know that the scripture tells us that. But telling that to the world, why do I need to remind you of something you already know? No, I'm supposed to deliver a message of hope. That's what the gospel is about, right? The good news. Amen? Now, if you're dealing with Christians, mature Christians, sometimes you got to be like Paul and say, hey, look, you better get right. Sitting around here twiddling your thumbs. You're supposed to be eating meat and you're still drinking milk. What's wrong with you? That's what Paul was saying. You're still waiting for somebody to pat you on the back and make you feel good. You better stand up, buck up, and get the spirit in you and operate in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's dealing with those who say they have the Holy Ghost. Right? Operating in the faith, operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. There's no reason why a Christian should still be defeated by the things of this life. Enslaved. Why are you enslaved? Do you not remember that you've been given power? Do you not know what that power comes from? It's the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of God operating in you. So why are you still addicted to alcohol? Why are you still addicted to drugs? Why can't you let go of the tobacco products? Why can't you stop viewing pornography? I know this might be a little bit strong, but brothers and sisters, this is what it takes. We've got a messed up world today. I don't get into politics. I don't preach politics. I don't think politics belong in the pulpit. But I will tell you this. we got a messed up world when you got folks in society who will damage businesses over who was elected. How twisted is that? We mess up our own economy. That tells you just the state of the world that we're in, the state of mind that our world is in. They don't even recognize how idiotic that is. When we look at it, we say, oh, I'm appalled. When they look at it, they feel like they're making a point. That's being lost. They're living in darkness. You ever been in a dark room with no light? Try to feel your way. You don't know where the light switch is. You just, I know it's, I'll find a wall around here somewhere. I'm, before you trip over something, right? You don't know where you're going. You don't know if you're making progress or if you're stepping back. That's the state that our world is in. So they need the church to be the church. 
And God forbid if we got church folks that's out there behaving the same way. Y'all with me? I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be ugly, but we just. The world needs to see a difference in the church. I was thinking, me and my my daughter was talking, and this is kind of a side note here, but we were talking about how I, you know, growing up, I used to love taking road trips, and we, I look at the stars in the sky, and just, you know, I just was enjoying the scenery. But I thought about something. The stars, they say, excuse me, are 4.3 million light years away. Okay? You can do the math, because I can't. But it's a long distance. Now, visual, now, physiologically, our eyes can only see but so far. So it's amazing to me that we can see the stars, the lights up in the galaxy. But it occurred to me that one of the reasons why we can see it is because it is surrounded by darkness. So the, the greater the darkness, the more impactful that light is. The greater the confusion, the greater the chaos in our world, that's how, more, that's how much more significant it is for you to shine your light as a Christian because somebody sees it. No matter how far they are from God, they still see I said, man, that's powerful that my light can make a difference to draw somebody to Christ because that's who's shining in me. I said, that's awesome. But that's what it takes. No matter how great the darkness, they can't put that light out. You can shut off every city light. You can do what you want, but you can't put out the lights in the sky. In the sky, they're still shining. When we used to do our uh, <clears throat> our missions, when we do training, you know, we out there in the woods trying to navigate our way through the woods, and sometimes the only thing you have, and it's just that significant, that starlight or that moonlight, to expose you to the enemy. What the Bible said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But every time you keep walking up on the scene on your job shining that light, it's exposing some mess. Because you operating in the... Man, when you walk in the store, think about how powerful that is. You walk in the store and you got kids that don't know how to act right and you just walking by minding your business looking for a can of corn. And the, and the baby just start acting right? Y'all laughing, but that's, it's just that powerful. You just, you just minding your business, just being you. But you're full of the Holy Ghost. And even that baby, that child, can sense, whew, mm, man. So how much more in your homes when things don't seem to be going right? 
seem like they're just bad attitudes flying around, but you're just walking in the power of the Holy Ghost and, whoo, things just got to change. People start acting right. You ain't said a word. But because of who's operating inside of you. That's what we need in our world today. You know, it's sad to me, but you got so many folks that's ready to pick up guns and, you know, Chris is ready to be militant. Well, we got to stand. We got to defend. You can't do no more for God than what he Pick up that weapon if you want to. Paul already told us the weapons of our, of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual. You battle. You're trying to take out people, but you can't take out the devil. Not with no gun. You got to have some power. You know, them demons recognized even when the apostles was going and they were delivering people, laying hands on people that was possessed. The only reason why those demons left is because they recognized who was operating inside of them. It was the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus told me, he says, hey, these things and greater things shall ye do in my name. Brothers and sisters, I'm just trying to encourage you because we are, you know, you've heard it many times before. And just because we say we're living in the last days don't mean another thousand years won't pass by. But please understand that as the times go by, the enemy is doing more and more to manifest his wickedness. Everybody waiting for Jesus to come back in the clouds, but not too many people are focused on what they can do before he comes back. We got a work to do. He didn't save us to sit on a pew and take up space. Amen? Come on, y'all. I love y'all. I do. Y'all my brothers and sisters. And because y'all my brothers and sisters, I treat y'all like I treat my family. I'm telling the truth. They know I love them. Amen. That's what God wants us to. He wants us to recognize and see things the way he sees it. Now, in order to do that, you got to do There's three things that you got to have. Number one, the heart of a servant. You're trying to serve God without having a heart of a servant. It will not last. Because the heart of a servant. He does what he can to synchronize with the one that he serves. I think about David. The Bible talks about David was a man after God's own heart. As much as, you know, and David got distracted. That's all that happened. You know, he never lost his love for God. But he got distracted. Now think about this now. Here's a man, a man after God's own heart. King, accomplished, fought great wars. You know, did some powerful things. And all it took was one moment of being distracted. And it caused him to make some grave mistakes. And not only did he pay the consequence, but his generate the generations after him paid the consequence. But God didn't stop blessing him. God didn't take the kingdom away from him. He didn't stop blessing him. And even throughout his lineage, he's still in the lineage of Christ. God didn't cut him off because of where his heart was. 
David always stands out to me because, I, and I go back to it again, just taking it from a practical, practical standpoint. Here it is. Saul was raised up to be king. Saul lost his mind, disobeyed, didn't, you know. I think Saul, you know, whatever he, his height and everything else, you know, he towered over people. But inside, I wonder if he was as courageous as he appeared to be. But God selected David before Saul even gave up the throne, before he was even taken out out of the picture. God selected David. But look at what David did. If you read about it, not once did he raise up and, you know, well, I disagree with the king, so I'm anointed to be king anyway. You you with me? Y'all with me? Man, let's raise up anarchy right now. We're going to take Saul out. I'm supposed to be king anyway. Can you imagine if I'm not even going there. I'm not going there. But David served Saul. And he recognized that Saul was put in place by God. He recognized him as the man of God. That was put in position to lead his people as the king. So regardless of all the attempts that Saul made to take David out. David was still willing to serve his king. How much more faithful God. Who does no wrong, who has our best interests in mind, will never allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. Will never allow anything to destroy us if it's not his will. All the things he does to take care of us from day in, day out. How much more should we be willing to serve our king? The heart of a servant Like Jesus says, not my will, but thine will be done. Yes, you do have a will of your own. You know, sometimes people pray and they're looking for God's will to be in accordance with their will and their agenda. Well, God, if you agree with me, that's not what he meant when he said, let us reason together. It's not you got to figure it out and just come back and let me, let's see if God's going to. Look at it my way. No, it's seek the the face of God. What he says, seek ye first. Too many folks are seeking him after the fact, and they want to get mad with God when they got to suffer the consequences of the decision that they made. God, why didn't you? Well, because you didn't. Now you want to put me on trial. You should have asked me first. I could have saved you a whole lot of grief. Now, I'm, I'm willing to help you. But you're going to have to go through this now because you made your choice. Sometimes that's just how it is. You can't expect God to just bail you out of everything if you're making wrong choices. Sometimes it's just hard like that, y'all. But because he loves us, he lets us go through it. You know why? Because if we never go through it, we'll never learn the importance of trusting him to begin with. 
Y'all with me? The second thing you got to have. You got to have a heart of a servant. You got to have the mind of Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I believe that's in Philippians. Yep, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Can I, can I say something? This is obviously we're not God in the flesh. Not in the form that Jesus was. We do have his spirit dwelling within us. But I wonder how many folks are approaching sinners... Those of us who are saved, approaching sinners as the Savior rather than the one who's been saved. You need to be where I'm at. Because I'm just that great. Sometimes we can be territorial as Christians. Because you know my church is the only church that has the truth. All right, I ain't going to touch on that. Bottom line is, we got to watch the way we approach. Just like Jesus humbled himself, we humble ourselves. We got to realize when we go into folks, you know, it's, it's compassion that should drive us. Look at all the times that Jesus came. When he came in contact with the multitude, it wasn't him coming. And he would have had the right to. But what did he say? I didn't come to condemn the world. My purpose, my intent is, is to save the world. And that has not changed. Compassion is what should drive us. Man, hey, let me, let me, let me talk to you, man. You know, I know you might be going through some stuff. Or maybe all, everything is all together in your life and you feel like there's nothing wrong. But I want to let you know, you know, your life can be even better. Oh, yeah, how much better can it be? Man, I got everything I need. Your life can be so much better. God can give you some stuff on the inside that money can't buy. You looking for peace because I know you're worried about how much you know, money and the stocks and all that other stuff. But God can give you a peace no matter what your financial situation is. Either way it goes, people need to hear the good news and, and it's the compassion in us, the same attitude that Jesus, in the approach that Jesus took toward a multitude, that's what we should be doing toward the world. Can, you know, I, this is just a thought in my mind. But you know the essence of a person is not something that you can see physically. So the Bible tells me that we were created in the image of God, right? There are some characteristics, there are some things in us that, that are patterned after God. The things what we call, there's a difference between identity and personality. So the personality is something you can't identify physically, tangibly. Notice when you go somewhere and they say, the first thing they say, if you're trying to gain access somewhere, they say, let me see your ID card, right? They need something to identify, something to visually see, right? 
or tangibly see or hear or whatever the case may be, identification in order to give you access, right? They got to verify you are who you say you are by how you look, how you present it, presentation, right? But personality, you can only see when it is expressed. You cannot see the essence of a person visually. So why do I bring that up? Because a lot of times we judge a book by its cover. We're willing to conclude a person's fate based upon how they are presented to us at the time. But God sees beyond that and he sees the potential of what they can become. So when we're looking at folks and we say, well, that person ain't going to want to hear what I have to say. How do you know? Have you taken the time to go and try to talk to them? You ever have those, those promptings inside of you where you just feel like, man, I need to go talk to that individual? Not in a condescending way, but just like your heart goes out to somebody. You want to, you know, I need to go talk to them. Maybe, you know, maybe they need to. I don't know what they're going through. I don't even know this person. Where do you think that's coming from? That is God compelling you to say, hey, I want you to reach out. I have put this individual in your pathway because there's something specific I want to do through you to reach them. Wow. So when you neglect that, what did you just do? You hindered the hand of God from operating in your life to reach a need in someone else's. See, this is all part of that. The power of the Holy Ghost operating. These are things that we need to understand. Having the mind of Christ, we have the right approach. Also, what we think about. Sometimes we miss things because we're not thinking about God in the first place. We go about our daily tasks and everything else. You know, the Bible says if there be any virtue and there be any praise, these are things that you should be thinking on. But your mind is so cluttered with everything else that you miss the opportunities to witness for God in the first place. You know how you resolve that? When you first wake up in the morning, that should be one of the first things you do is acknowledge God. That's why we encourage people to pray. When you first get up, have a prayer life. That's your devotion. That's your first before before phone calls start coming in, before you start getting ready for work, no matter how early. If you got to get up early, then get up earlier. I know it's a sacrifice because the body's like, man, you have lost your mind. You see how dark it is outside? You better go right to bed. But you get up earlier. And yes, it's tough. Sometimes you may hit that snooze button a little bit too much. Got it. But work at it to build that, that habit so that it becomes this. That's part of the experience. You'd be surprised sometimes you wake up and you just grog and you're like, oh. And you start praying and calling on the name of the Lord and all of a sudden you start leaping and sounding. You in the basement or wherever you at. You try not to make too much noise, but man, the Holy Ghost is moving. It's four o'clock in the morning. This got to be the Holy Ghost. And he gives you the encouragement that you need. He gives you the strength that you need. And next thing you know, the stuff that you go through throughout the day, if you hadn't have prayed, well, Jesus, I love it. And then the last thing, we always talk about it, we refer to it, 
it is vitally important to have the Spirit of God. Please understand, you know, every time we talk about the Holy Ghost, we talk about people having the Holy Ghost, you know, excuse me, it's not one of those condescending things where we say, well, you know, you got to be like us. No, rather what we're saying is if you want to succeed in this life, you want to live the life of an overcomer, it's going to take having the Spirit of God inside of you. Now, the awesome thing is that God does things around people. There are things that God does. So even without you having the Holy Ghost, God is doing things on your behalf. Tell me that's not a loving God. The moment you're rejecting me, I'm still looking out for you. Man, that's an awesome God. I don't see no greater God to serve than one like that. You didn't wait. You didn't, you didn't even seek my face. Somebody told you, you know, you should be coming to church. Somebody told you you should be reading your Bible. Somebody told you you should be getting right. And you rejected me. And all the while, I'm still keeping you. Because every time you drive that vehicle, there's a potential accident waiting to happen. But I'm still intervening and keeping you. Times when you should be laid off and you should be fired. But I'm keeping, I'm touching the boss's mind and making sure you're not the one. With everybody losing jobs. Homes being broken into, but you know what? Your home is still safe. Because I'm looking out for you. I just, this is how I picture it, y'all. I imagine that there are folks sometimes that are driving you, you know, you got those people that lurk around and they try to find someone, you know, yeah, look for a house to break into. And I, this is how I picture it. And they're driving down. And they're like, man, they may have that eye on your house. But God says, he steps in and he says, not so. And they say, man, we're going to leave this house alone. I see another one down the street. Now, I'm not, wait, because it's unfortunate for any house they get broken into. So I don't, <laughs> it is. But thank God that it's not my house. I know that sounds selfish. But God did it for me. Amen. (laughs) Having the spirit of God in you makes a world of difference because remember what I said. You know, and I really truly believe this. Everything in this life has an influence behind it. Everything has an influence behind it. When we just, you start talking about the actions or the behavior that's exhibited in our world, it's because of what's influencing our world. So the best way to combat those things is not physically, but it is spiritually. Guarantee you, no one can kill God. No one's stronger or mightier than God. The devil has to submit to God's agenda. Even when he wants to take you out, he has to ask permission to touch any part of your life and wait for access. So then who better to trust in, who better to use to impact the people in our world? Listen, the power of Christian witnessing We get our power from God operating 
through us. You want people to really get and understand the Bible, the validity of the Bible? It's not in having trials and debates and all that other stuff. You know what it's by? The experience, the behavior that Christians are exhibiting. And you exhibit what you have an experience with. You can argue all day long the verbiage that's in the scriptures, but when you see it before you, folks that are being raised from the dead, and I'm not saying that it has to be something dramatic, but when you're praying for a neighbor or a friend who's going through something and you lay hands on them and you're praying the, the, the prayer of faith and you're believing the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and you pray and God delivers them, the doctors can't explain what happened, I guarantee you there's a gained soul right there. There's a believer right there. Because all they know is that it's a miracle. And doctors will tell you when they can't explain stuff, they it's a miracle. My God is a miracle worker. I got to close this. But, um, you know, let's, let's go forth. Let's remember, brothers and sisters, you know, this is not one of those things we take, you know, we're, just, we're not just here, you know, just by chance or we're just filling up space. We're not just here waiting, standing by, you know, you know waiting for Jesus to come back and not doing it. No, God expects us to engage. We have a lost, dying world. That needs to be reached. And unless we as Christians are being who God has called us to be and allowing him to work through us, we will not be effective in reaching our world. You can say what you want to say. You can be religious and coming to the facility. You can do all the nice things that are that's seen on the outside. But if you don't have the power of God working in your life, and that only comes by you having an experience with him every day. So, power of Christian witnessing. We are Christians. God has called us to be witnesses. And he's given us the power to do so. So I say, go forth, brothers and sisters. Let's witness to our world and let them know there is hope. There is a Savior. And their lives don't have to be the way it is. It can be changed. Amen. God bless you. Let's take a break in Jesus' name and be ready for a dynamic service.